Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Welcome, everybody, to another live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. You get two in a 24-hour time span. Goodness gracious, I'm the hardest working man in Liberty, folks. Uh, Clint Russell, your host. If you want to support my work, as always, go to libertylockdown.locals.com and make sure you hit the like button right now. And then leave a comment and then find a wife in the comments and then make all sorts of conspiracy theory comments in the comments. And then that's that's about it. And then share the show. And uh, what else? Subscribe. Yeah, do that, too. Uh, today, I am absolutely thrilled to have this guest on. Uh, this band in particular was very formative for a young, rebellious Clint Russell. Um, particularly keep them separated. My goodness, that that is a banger. Uh, <laughs> without further ado, the man of the hour, Mr. Pete Parada. Thank you for joining us, Pete. Thanks for having me, Clint. Absolutely, dude. I, uh, I'm not not exaggerating. I felt like uh, like the offspring for people of my age range was like it was like that particular song was the first time any sort of punk band got into kind of like a it almost like the the gang rap vibe you know like that's that's because i was a i was a huge you know i I grew up in san diego california and i was a big west coast rap fan and when keep them separated came out i was like yeah my people can do this too like look (laughs) we we can do it too even though even though like if you actually listen to the lyrics it's not about it's like it's it's actually like lamenting gang warfare Uh, at least that's my read of it is that is that what that song's about I, I never asked what it was about, but I mean, that, that would be my take on it. Um, okay. I, I try not to interpret what anybody else is saying that, like, you know, if they're not saying it themselves, but uh, yeah, I mean, for, for me, 15 years, you didn't have any opinion on it. Yeah. I didn't ask, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I wasn't being paid to have an opinion on, on anything. So that's true. Uh, uh, yeah. So for, for those that don't know, Pete was the, the drummer for the offspring for about 15 years. Is that right? Yeah. About four, 14 years. Yeah. 14. Okay. Um, and you came on, obviously not an original member since it's a, a, an older band, since I'm old and <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> about how they, how they impacted me in middle school. Um, but uh, what was the, uh, I, I've already heard you on Tim Pool, so I'll, I'll kind of keep this truncated. I don't want to have to have sure. you repeat everything, but uh, give us a cliff notes of, of how you how you got into the band and into the music scene, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I mean, the music scene in general, I I moved from a really tiny town in upstate New York in 1991, uh, about a month after I graduated high school and moved to L.A. Uh, with uh, my drumming idol, uh, my one of my best friends, Mick. And um, so I went to go to music school and, you know, going through school, you start meeting people. I met a drummer named Ray Luzier, who is a drummer for Korn now and has played with all these different people. But so me and Ray were roommates for a few years after school and we got along really well. And we're still really good friends. He lives 10 minutes from here, from oh, me here in Tennessee now. Um, and so I just, you know, you get out of school and you start working. I was busting tables. I was, you know, uh, cleaning a studio to have a place to play drums. And, um, you know, and then eventually started working at a rehearsal studio and meeting different bands, you know, fell into a a punk rock band called Face to Face. I didn't know anything about punk rock, but they were looking for like a a rock drummer. Like I'm I'm more of I grew up heavy metal, you know, Mm. in upstate New York. I think I listened to Face yeah. to Face back in the day. Were they? Did they get pretty popular? Or am I? Yeah, Face to Face is awesome. Yeah, yeah they're okay. great. Thought yeah, so. big, big SoCal punk, very influential. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, and the the cool thing about Face to Face was if you look at the go back through the years of all the bands that opened for them and then went on to be huge, 
you know, yeah. I mean, you can go back to Sublime and Blink-182 and, oh, you know, wow. but everybody up through like, you know, Jimmy Eat World. And so we always joked like, oh, man, when we do a farewell tour, you know, I'm going to start a side project band and we're going to open for us. And then it's going to be the biggest band ever because and then, <laughs> you know, didn't didn't have time to do that because I was already playing in another band. And so we took a, a little band called My Chemical Romance out that that was just just started getting started. And then, yeah, you know, just a tiny two months band. later, they were huge. Yeah, right. So it was, it was funny. <laughs> like we joke about it, but even even at the end of my run with the band, cause they're still they're back together and, and going now. Oh, very um, cool. At my at the end of my run, it was still true. So. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Well, I uh, obviously the the reason that you were thrown into the the spotlight over the recent history was because of um, I think I assume you were fired. I don't think you quit, right? I didn't quit. Yeah, no, I, I was yeah. replaced. And uh, for you know, the vaccine mandates came down, started hitting the industry in June, summer of twenty twenty one. And, you know, I thought we were going to kind of have some conversations about it. Like I, I have a history of bad reactions to um, uh, vaccines and, and other, you know, my body's just really sensitive to a lot of things. And so I sure. um, doing research on this one and kind of looking at the information that was available at the time, especially it was like, oh, OK, well, they clearly say here they, they didn't even test for transmission and mm. you know they didn't have anyone in the trials that had any autoimmune conditions or or any health issues in any way it was just all healthy people right so it it just kind of already looked like well we're, we don't really have all the information here i don't feel comfortable with this you know um and but it just came down through the band's management that you know i was i was to get the vaccine or i would be replaced and, you know, when I tried to, it was really a, like a, the most abusive, unprofessional, crazy phone call I've ever received. Like it was a newer, newer manager with the band. I didn't even really know the guy and just was really belittling and threatening and awful all around. And so I was kind of shell shocked from the call, tried to talk to the band about it. They backed him up and, you know, was like, nope, this is, this is how it's got to be. And, you know, a few days after that, I mean, all communication ceased. And then I found out that I was replaced from my uh, Southwest Airlines app because my flight to rehearsal had been canceled. Oh and then and then my access to the work calendar was revoked. And wow. so it was, but, you know, no communication. No, you know, it was just that was it. And you, you and, had yeah. no, you know, prior infractions with the band in terms of like no. missing gigs or anything like that? Dude, in 14 years, I never missed a day of work, whether it was in the studio, whether it was on tour, whether it was a rehearsal or a photo shoot or a video shoot. I never said no to anything. I showed up. Wow. I was a, I was the quintessential good soldier. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I, the first time that I pushed back, it was just like, that's yeah. it. Was you, like, got oh, the, I, yeah. you got the same treatment that our, our good soldiers in our military get when they get home from war. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I would never, never compare myself to that. But no, um, I, but I, under, I understand your analogy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, man, that's that's heartbreaking. And uh, I guess uh, I know you've, you've said that, you know, this was pervasive through the industry. Obviously, it was pervasive through um, live performance venues, I think, was probably the major concern. Was was that their their primary explanation? They weren't like actually concerned about you giving them COVID. They were concerned about not being able to do gigs in places. That was my understanding was just like, hey, okay. we, we need to make money. We want to work. And, you know, it was, you know, it's it's business. But there were right. 
there were plenty of bands that were touring with unvaccinated members. There was, you know, I mean, I would get after I was out, I was getting messages from bands that are like, dude, we're on a festival today with with your old band. None of us got the vaccine. Like, there's no protocol here for it. Nobody asked for papers. No one gives a shit. Like, why aren't you here? This doesn't make right. any sense. And I was like, oh, I know it doesn't make sense. I tried to point that out. But um, it was it was starting to get very pervasive through the industry, but it was really arbitrary and confusing. Like there wasn't there wasn't any real rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, well, we would like everyone to have, you know, you know, the promoters would like the bands to have papers. So it was just everyone covering their ass at every level all mm -hmm. the way down from the promoter to the tour manager, to the band, to, you know, to the <laughs> venue. Um, everybody just wanted to be able to be a good person and say, well, we're we're abundance of caution and everyone's health and whatever. And it, it didn't have anything to do with anybody's health. I mean, no. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in the industry, so I, I hear plenty of stories of what's really going on. And there was a huge tour out at, at the time in that same fall um, where I wasn't allowed to go. Huge other tour out. And when crew members would get sick, they weren't getting put up in hotels for two weeks to quarantine. They weren't. It wasn't, you know, they were getting sent off the tour, but they were put right on an airplane and sent home, you <laughs> right. know. <laughs> Tested positive for COVID, abundance of caution. Here, we're going to just put you on a plane with a bunch of people and fly you home because it's about protecting profits. It's about everybody's like, hey, we haven't worked for a yep. year and a half. We're going and making money and we don't really like we're going to pretend that we give a shit about this, but we don't. Yeah, well, that that doesn't surprise me. And I think I think a lot of people were like that. But there was also the true believers that were, you know, totally brainwashed into thinking that this was a silver bullet that was going to end the pandemic. It sounds as if that wasn't so much the case with your band members or or management. Um, were there I mean, why was there not more, you know, especially from the punk scene? You know, it it, it strikes me as utterly bizarre that there wasn't more unanimity in just saying, like, look, yeah, maybe we'll have to not do two of the 20 dates that we have on the calendar. But like if we all come together, like if the industry had come together, because most of the shows you're doing, I would imagine, are with other acts of a similar, um, you know, ideological backdrop, I would hope uh, yeah. that you guys could have just said, hey, well, let's let's stick together with one another and and we can still do all the shows. But th it doesn't seem like that was ever even a consideration. No, no. I mean, and I, I'm not going to pretend to be inside anybody's brain because, like I said, I haven't heard from anyone. You know, it was very cut and dried and over and that was it. But um, plenty of artists stood up and said, hey, we're not going to segregate our audience. We're not going to force this on our band or our crew. Right. You know, you got Eric Clapton, you got Kid Rock, you got John Rich. There's plenty of people that said we're not going to participate in this system. And so it it could be done. There just wasn't the will there to to care. It was just like, no, this is going to be frustrating for our plans. And so uh, now later, we're just <laughs> we'll just get someone else. So what, is, um, yeah. is, is there a uh, has the has the political ideology of the music scene shifted from when I was a kid? Because I, I just remember it being much more like rebellious fuck the man type of mentality and and that doesn't seem to exist anymore no no i i mean you know there's pockets of it for sure there's people okay. still speaking out but i i think over time even through you know the way that lyrics are written and songwriting in that genre people started to get a little more bland of like well i'm gonna write this thing and and it's gonna be 
middle of the road enough that anyone's ideology, they can project it on there what they want it to be. But that way I don't have to risk upsetting anybody. And, and I think when that kind of starts, then you end up where we're at, where artists mm -hmm. in general, I think are more, rather than looking for something to say, they're terrified of what to say because mm -hmm. it's so, the cancel comes so quickly. Like it, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've built up this stockpile of good deeds that you did, you know, when you, when you won't follow the next new thing that's put in front of you, you're, you know, nothing else matters. Like you, you got to keep right. up or you're out. And so it, to me, it, it is kind of a strange time in music to be like, well, who's really saying something mm. and, and who is just like treading Catching water, chips. trying to, yeah, <laughs> trying to get out there and make money. Cause you know, nobody buys records anymore. Like your, your right. whole income as a, as a musician, as an artist is touring. It's mm -hmm. tickets and T-shirts. I mean, it's been that way since Napster. Right. Um, and so to make a living, you got to stay out on the road. You got to keep, you know, you got to keep going all the time. And so, yeah, you know, if if something's going to throw a wrench into the works, I guess, you know, your previous relationship or we're all family, we're all in this together. I guess that goes out the window pretty quick when it's just like, oh, well, I'd, I'd like to make money. This is really annoying. You mm -hmm. know, so it's like you're you're my coworker, but you're not actually my family anymore because I got to feed my kids. Um, well, it, it's uh, well, I, I want to dive in a little bit into the the creative destruction that comes from um, or creativity destruction, I should say, when it comes to the, you know, fearing cancel culture. Like, just think about like if you're trying to write lyrics and and you're writing the lyrics with some sort of parameter, any any really any constriction whatsoever. I don't know how you can expect to create the best, you know, art. And I yeah, still you, view it as art. Yeah, I agree. You can't create good art if you're starting from a place of self-censorship. Like exactly. that's, you know, so if we, that's why, you know, I mean, I'm a free speech person. Like to me, that's the most important of our rights because everything else stems from that. And so if you're going into writing a song or a book or a blog or anything, and you're like, all right, well, I can't, I can't talk about this and I can't talk about that and I can't sing about this, then you're kind of, you know, are you being honest about anything or are you just pandering and looking to, you know, create content that will look aggressive, but not be offensive. And, you know, exactly. it's, it's a strange line where you're kind of listening to a song and going, I don't even know what this is about. <laughs> well, but what, what strikes me as odd is the music that I found most, um, you know, emotionally compelling was the most aggressive music that existed in the 1990s. It was like NWA and, uh, you know, Sublime was a, a great band. Obviously there's a, a you guys, um, there was a, a whole bunch of bands that just really were pushing the envelope, Rage Against the Machine, even, even though they <laughs> have gone totally bad. Pushing shit. a different envelope now, but <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, but uh, it very, very much a, a anti-government um, vibe to what they are putting out, and so much of what I listened to as a kid was that. And and I, you know, I think in many ways it was formative to my libertarian ideology, and or maybe I was a libertarian, and that's why that music appealed to me. I don't know. Either way, right. um, but it, like that music sold, and if it sells, I mean, even if you're not making money off of album sales anymore, still to become popular like if you want a tour you have to be popular because people have to right. show up to the concert so like it still seems as if there is from the starting point you should have 
free creativity, free reign of whatever you want to put out there. Let the let the audience decide if it's appealing and then they'll show up and you make money on the back end. So it seems to me that it's not just about money. There is actually some sort of overlord mechanism that is saying like, we don't want this content. Am I mistaken in that? Yeah, I think also the, you know, in the last decade or half decade, you know, you've got the rise of the virtue signal too. Sure, so it's sure. like, so now, maybe the, the audience doesn't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. And there's such a microscope on everybody now. Like you say the wrong thing and like that, that's it. You don't, you don't get a second chance. I mean, that the cancel comes fast. And I think what people don't always realize about, you know, cancel culture is you as an individual don't have to accept it. You know, part of the reason that I made a statement in the first place about what was going on was. I'm not going to slink away and just have people be like, oh, whatever happened to that guy? It's just like now if yeah. if, if we all just kind of hide out and hope that it blows over and that maybe it won't cost us anything later, like it's costing us. Our silence is costing us in general. Oh, so I, and, you know, and when you do speak out and the mob comes like you don't have to take your ball and go home and be sad about it. You can just say, no, this isn't right. And, uh, you know, I stand behind, I still stand behind everything that I said, and I still feel the same way now, you know, no is a complete sentence and there, no one needed an excuse to not want to take this thing. Yeah. And the, the fact that people lost their livelihoods uh, and, you know, friendships and, and family and like lifelong relationships over this issue, it's, it's crazy to me. It's, it it's crazy that, that, that I'd never seen. Yeah, but I think we've been primed for it, you know, through the the 2016 election and through everything else. It's just like now we're so primed for outrage at all times, mm. you know, that it's like, you know, I, I just started to see it on Facebook. That's why I'm not on there anymore, because it, it just turned into this. If you voted for Trump, unfollow me now. And, right. you know, or, or if you're going to vote for Biden, then I can't be friends with you. And it's just like, it, you know, we're. I'm looking at this and going, well, you you're taking real tangible people who know you and have cared about you and are a part of your life and you're cutting them out of your life in service to this politician or this issue or someone who doesn't give a shit about you. Nope. Like, this is crazy. Like yep. what? I don't understand the mentality of, you know, I've known you my whole life and we disagree here. So now we're through. And it's just kind of like I, I, I don't understand that. Like I'm always looking for common ground with people. I think there's always a conversation to be had and to just if we start casting everyone out of our lives that doesn't believe everything exactly as we do, like it's a pretty boring world and and we're not going to learn anything then. Like I, well, I still have a very people, isolated world too. Yeah, exactly. Like I still have people very close to me in my life that don't feel any of the same way as I do on these issues. And we're fine because it doesn't, this issue doesn't have to define our relationship or our friendship or uh, our family or, or whatever. It's just kind of like, cool. We disagree here anyway. How's right. it going? You know, yeah. but so many people can't do that because we're, we've been driven to division in this country now that every everything is is take a side and mm -hmm. here's oh you're on that side well here's how you're allowed to feel about it yeah and for me it's just like it's what a what a boring and bland place to be <laughs> true i i have to admit um you know i have in some ways fallen victim to that just simply because i feel as if like i've become very entrenched in my belief system because my belief system has been so 
uh, under under threat over the past yeah. three years because you know it, it really has compelled me. I mean, I started the show in May of 2020. Like I'm uh, all I'm all I'm about is pushing back against these last three years of insanity. And yeah. uh, but that I totally agree with you that like it's still it hasn't really impacted my personal relationships tremendously because when I'm around them, I still love them. You know, like yeah. even if I, even if they were the type of person that probably would have reported me to the to the feds if I didn't get the job, um, I still it's like you're my family. I I know like I can I can still have sympathy for the psychological pressure that you've been under for the past three years. Like they may not be yeah. able to view me that way, which is sad. Um, but at least I yeah. can still maintain an open heart towards them. At least I try to. Exactly. And that that's where I think we need to be is, is with compassion. Like, you know, I lost, I mean, my, my family and I have lost our, I mean, overnight we lost our closest community, right. Just mm -hmm. gone erased. Like we never mattered. And even beyond that, we've lost close friends. I've lost like there's musician friends of mine that, you know, disown me, won't talk to me anymore. Like people got really worked up over this issue. And I still just feel like, nope, everybody was in an impossible position through this whole process. Like, and I have to have compassion for them because the fear that was pushed on all of us was so constant and so nonstop that I understand that 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 people were operating from that fear. Right. And I try not to take it personally, like, oh, well, they, you know, they, they hate me now because of this, or they think this of me now. They can't operate outside of the bubble they created to deal with the fear that they've been inundated with. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are still stuck in that, even, even coming out the other end of this, it's still a lot of, well, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of apologies to anybody out there. It's it's a lot of doubling down and well, we did what we this was the information we had or yeah. the science has changed. And it's just like, the I don't Sam know. Harris I, defense. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like saying, well, if if I pointed something out to you two years ago that was true then, but you're willing to accept it now, the science hasn't changed. I presented that to you two years ago. And it right. was right then, but you know, then I was crazy and conspiracy yes. and, you know, so, you know, kicked out of the cool kids club. Um, yeah, well, and so to, to me, it's like, no, it, we're going to end up back in the same position again. If people don't go, wow, that, that got out of hand. Uh, <laughs> that was know, pretty but, fucking crazy. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I, I resent the, the, you know, so I think somebody tried a couple months ago to write this article that was like, we all said some things that we regret. Let's <laughs> yeah, all just move on. And it's exactly. like, I, I don't regret what I said. Like, no, I, I wasn't, neither I, do didn't, I. I didn't yell at anybody. I wasn't hateful to anybody. I, I spoke from my own experience. I got the shit kicked out of me, but right. no, I, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, we all said things that we regret. Sounds like you do. Do you want to talk about that? You know, <laughs> exactly. but you're writing exactly. an article, but no, no we're not just going to go, everybody messed up anyway. Yeah, no, that's interesting, actually, back. because the, the very premise uh, obviously details the fact that the, the person saying we all made mistakes is admitting that they themselves did make a mistake, but they won't, yeah. they, they don't want to take like just the the sole responsibility. And I, I think that that is part of what we dealt with during that period was this very collectivized mentality that like we're going to sacrifice the individual to de defend and protect the collective. Um, I mean, they they said as much. It was like we, we have to, uh, you know, all sacrifice here to defend the collective. And and I think that, um, you know, from a libertarian perspective, but more from just a historical analysis, anytime 
a a society or a culture gets into that mindset of like we will we will absolutely sacrifice individuals for the collective well then you have some really uh, you know atrocities that have been uh yeah. carried out against humanity in that mm -hmm. name and and i don't know why that lesson has not been learned yeah well it was just it it was easy to pile on people because you were told you're in the good guy club. Like, Hey, you, you're, you know, you're going to do your thing. And for me, the worst, not the worst. What, one of the things I really leaves a bad taste in my mouth was all the different angles that they came at. Like, Oh, you got to do this because of this. Oh, that didn't get you. Well, you got to do it because of this. Oh, how about a cheeseburger? How about a lap dance? And then, <laughs> and then to go, well, Hey, everyone should get this. Um, because there's some people that it's medically contraindicated for. And since they can't get this, we all have to get it right. to, and, and I'm sitting here with a medical exemption going, Hey, I'm one of those people. And it's like, no, fuck you too. You get it too. So, and that was the point. It's like, don't, don't take people who medically this isn't, this is dangerous for and act all benevolent. Like we're doing this to protect them and then go, no, not you. You you don't count. You don't matter. Exactly. Fuck you too. Exactly. And that and that was frustrating. And so that was kind of what I was trying to point out at the time too. Was like, look, my medical exemption doesn't matter, and neither does anybody else's. Like people were still losing their jobs left and right. Didn't right. matter. Only thing that mattered was compliance, and yep. you know, and every means of coercion ever was used to, you know, put pressure on people to get this thing. And yep. And it and know, it wasn't just. It wasn't just compliance to a single single item. It was a escalatory compliance metric. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. are you? Are you willing to stay home? Okay, good. Now, mm -hmm. are you wearing to, willing to wear a mask everywhere you go? Okay, good. Now, are you willing to put this you know untested substance in your body? Okay, good. And now it's like yeah, it 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 just it just it's a the ratchet effect. And and you know yeah. by the time by the time you're a year and a half deep into this, you look back and you're like, holy shit, what have we done to ourselves? Yeah, it's the carrot and the stick, but the stick keeps getting longer. Like you never yes. get closer to the carrot, like every everything yes, you say. And it's yes, like, exactly. like, it's only going to be two of these shots. Oh, wait, why is the carrot so far away? Well, yeah. it's actually going to be going to need yeah. another one. But we always get a we booster every one. six months yeah. for the rest of your life, buddy. Yeah. Oh, and did uh. we say three? We meant four. And now <laughs> now we think yearly, maybe every six months. Like, you know, the, and meanwhile, the carrot's moving so far away, you can't even see it anymore. But you're being right. told you, you you can have all your stuff back. Can have all your fun back if, yeah, if you right. do this and it's just like eh. just just not your soul you don't ever get that back sorry right. yeah. um yeah well what was the uh was your band uh traveling uh globally or was it just u.s touring at that point um at the point that i was replaced they only had u.s shows on the book so there wasn't any reason that for the next few months that I couldn't have been there. There was nowhere in the US that I wouldn't have been allowed to perform with my exemption. They were going to the UK, like more like November, um, December, and mm -hmm. that might have been a problem. And maybe they had to get somebody to do that run. But, you know, we we didn't get there. It was just, you know. I mean, it seems as if they, they certainly could have worked with you on this. So do you have any opinion? I mean, why? Why, why not work with you on it? I, I can't tell you what anybody else is thinking. And I mean, know, do you have an opinion though? I, I know you don't know, no, but like, I, I think, I think everybody wanted to get back to work. I think my stance here was inconvenient to the money machine rolling again. And that took precedent. It didn't matter that there was 14 years. It didn't matter that everyone was family. You know, it was like, you know, everyone loves you. Everyone's your family when you're doing what they want. <laughs> right. <you know>? But <laughs> 
as soon as you say no, you're like, oh, okay, this situation was different the entire time. Yeah. I was just really, you know, easy and amiable and going along. But no, there's there wasn't any other issues. I didn't have any issues with my performance. I didn't have any issues with my attitude. I'm a pretty easygoing person. I'm fun to be around, I'm told. And the only <laughs> reason the only reason I'm not still there is this issue. And that's it. That's hmm. the beginning and the end of it. I mean, so, is, yeah. this is, uh, you know, maybe too personal of a question or, or information that you're not allowed to disclose, but it would seem that, you know, the offspring has been a, a very successful band for many decades. And like, I would imagine they've made a lot of money over their careers. Is, was that a fair assessment or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why, why was the financial imperative so urgent that like they had to can you immediately and bring someone else in? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was just like, how dare you say no? I, oh, okay. I don't know. So, yeah. I, you just, know, I mean, I didn't get any feedback. <laughs> yeah. So you haven't had any conversations with them since? No. Wow. That's crazy. And 15 years, dude, 14 years. I mean, that's, that's, that's like, you know, basically going through all of schooling with somebody, you know, the, those are lifelong friends you would think at that point. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, does it hurt? Yeah. I mean, it's, it hurts less now. I mean, this is why, sure. you know, I haven't done any, any interviews till now. It's like a year and a half later because I didn't want, you know, number one, I didn't want to come off and start talking about stuff when I was angry or when I was hurt. And number two, it was just like, well, I need to get, you know, priority number one is figuring out how to feed my family. Like I'm out of a gig. I need to find work. I need to, you know, get back into my studio, start doing drum tracks for people like I need to create and kind of just find my way back to the world. Like get the the way that this went down and that it it had to be so public because I I thought it was important to speak out about what was happening to people. Like it was a it was a career death, but it was an identity death. And you kind of mm -hmm. needed to to mourn that and kind of go through a rebirth. And it was such an unknown at the time. Like it was really very difficult and tense and dark for my family. Like, you know, my wife was always keeping an eye on me. I've got two daughters and like, there was a stretch there where nobody left me alone. You know, there was always mm -hmm. somebody in the room with me making, you know, I was, I was in a dark place. Yeah. I was low, but the, the thing that pulled me out of it was the, the amount of support that we got from people all around the world, just going, Hey, I really appreciate that. You said something like, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only person that felt this way because that's how we're all made to feel. That's yes. how I was made to feel. What do you mean? You're not going to get this. What do you mean? You're going to throw a wrench into things. What do you mean? You're ruining all our plans. Like everyone's you know, doing it, Pete. Come right. On. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be the one guy that's going to, going to be a problem here. Like, and everyone's doing it isn't a good excuse for me i'm sorry and you know if you never has been <laughs> right if you're going to tell me you know we're we can't talk about this or we're we can't have a discussion about it, it you know then it's just like well why can't we talk about this like what right. is what is so dangerous but that that was the the mandate from on high down was you don't question this you can't ask questions because it's dangerous that's going to fuel hesitancy and it's just like well but we should be able to ask questions here like this is this is some new stuff. This was rolled out really fast and we're giving it to everyone at once. I, right. you know, on I the have, planet. I, right. I have questions and it's just like, nope, nope. Can't now have you're, that. Yeah. Now you're a bad person for, for even questioning it. So I was like, all right, man, it really is heartbreaking, but I, I will say I, I am one of those people that was very appreciative of someone in, you know, a higher profile position that was willing to not just speak out, but sacrifice 
to to you know stick to their principles. I, very, far too few people were willing, and and I know I know there was a lot millions of Americans that oh, I, felt I similarly to us that that yeah. went along with this just because they didn't want to be in your position. So take yeah. it took courage. My, thanks. Well, in my industry, like people will reach out to me privately still to this day. Like, man, I wish I could say something. I appreciate what you did. I, I wish I could do that. And it's like you, you could have. I well, but. <laughs> But I, I get it though. Cause this isn't, this isn't for everybody. Like it's, it's brutal. Like you, yeah. you are facing a firing squad of the whole world of like, now you are, you know, everyone's looking at you sideways, like, and you're almost stripped of your humanity because you won't get on board with just what everybody else is doing. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody that feels this way, but doesn't want to say anything. Cause it does cost there. There's a cost here. I mean, and, of course. And, for the people that speak out, like, you know, Djokovic, the tennis player, like speaking out there, there's a cost there. He could have gone and got a card and, you know, went about his business, won more trophies, but it was, you know, there's a principle here. And yep. when you, when you take a stand on that, it does cost you something, but yeah, you know, well, on the I, inverse, there's another cost though. I mean, you, exactly. you sacrifice a huge part of your, your moral framework, your principles. I mean, that, that is something and your voice you, and your voice. Yeah. yeah. Which is part of my principles. So, I mean, it, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think people have a, a long enough, uh, you know, time horizon when making these these decisions. It's like, yes, there will be some intermediate pain and short term pain. But the long term pain of of, you know, really sacrificing who you are as a person is is very meaningful. And I, I it's it's sad that people don't hold principles more dearly you know like especially bodily autonomy you know, like it's mm -hmm. such a like even if even if you were of the opinion that the vaccine was safe and effective and and efficacious and it was going to end the in the pandemic i still i still on principle like even if even if i wanted to go get it i would have said no publicly because for me it's about you can't ever mandate I put anything in my body ever like that's, yep. that's the principle. And it just doesn't seem like uh, there's very many people in America that, that actually believe that deeply anymore. And that's very concerning. Yeah. I mean, and, and everybody got swept up in, in the compliance of it too. Like you said, you know, you roll it out. Will you stay in your home? Check. You know, will you, uh, will you wear this mask? Okay. Well now we're going to roll this thing out. And it's just kind of like every step of the way. Well, these are, these are the steps we have to take and then everyone can get their lives back. Yeah. And so, but yeah, when you do take a stand on something, there, there is a cost. And, but like you said, when it's being rolled out to everybody at once and we're all told you, you don't have a choice here and there's no discussion to be had, like that's, that's a pretty big red flag for me. Absolutely. I mean, the, to me, it's the reddest of red flags. Like yeah. it, it should, it, even if you're just a totally like go along to get along type of person mm. that still should have been like. A, a blaring siren there's something mm -hmm. off here like what we've never had unanimity of thought in anything particularly in like modern american you know po politics or or yeah. you know culture um certainly not worldwide that. right yeah uh, yeah certainly <laughs> not worldwide and and you have the same exact protocols that are happening from you know communist nations to the land of the free it's like hey uh something's off and yeah. it, not enough people saw it but uh you know 
I, as I said, I'm very, very appreciative of, of anybody in a higher profile position that was willing to do it, particularly people that had to sacrifice financially. Cause for me, I was already financially free. I did sacrifice tremendously financially because I closed down a mortgage company to become a podcaster. Trust me, there ain't much money, uh, making right. that shift. Um, but still for me, you know, I, I didn't have the financial imperative. I didn't need to, you know, maintain that higher level of income to survive. So I was, I was in a, you know, advantageous position to speak out when the, when duty called is kind of how I feel about it. Um, yeah. So, th so for those that weren't, it took uh, an, an added uh, level of courage, I think. And it, it seems as if you are one of the few that had it. Do you think that there was anything about um, your upbringing that, that made you that type of person that would have been willing? Uh, willing to speak out? Yeah. Well, I mean, just willing to sacrifice yeah. to, to basically stand up for your principles. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it'd be about my upbringing. I mean, I've, I've always, you know, been a pretty, uh, easygoing person, um, compliant, what have you. But for me, when, once it got to this issue, it wasn't, it was bigger than me. You know, I've got two daughters and it's like, well, what am I teaching them here? Mm. If, if I go and take this, cause I don't want to lose an opportunity. I'm showing them that there are opportunities that are worth giving up your bodily sovereignty or your principles or, you know, something doing something that, you know, is dangerous to your health, which I knew that it was right. um, for me personally. It, it was just kind of like, yeah, well, that's that's an easy call to make. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to I can't take this and I'm not going to be in a position where I'm lying about it because then they have to lie for me. And, you know, and it mm -hmm. was like. So for me, a lot of it was, you know, between myself, my wife and my daughters of like, you know, we're, we're a family, we're a gang, we, we do everything together. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it was like, all right, no, we need to, we need to say something here because this is, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for everybody's individual rights. Even the people who dislike me or hate me or, you know, can't stand exactly. me fighting for your rights too. Like, you know, because the more of these we give up, we don't get them back. Right. You know, and I want my kids to have choices when they're older. And if I don't fight for these rights, they won't even be there for them. So, you know, Bingo. for me and our whole family, it was like, hey, this is going to hurt. This is going to cost us. You know, this is going to be a new a new world for us finding a new way forward. We're going to lose a lot of people. We're going to, you know, be in a different financial space. And but, you know, you're a, when you're a family, you make decisions together. And and that's how that's what we did. We decided to move forward and, and that that was it was more important to make a stand here and take the beating than to stay quiet and just hope that it was going to get better or all right, or we'd be all, I'll be handed our rights back. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> it turned out that, you know, you didn't actually have to comply to get your rights handed back. The national emergencies ending, uh, all the, all the mandates are ending and it's, it's because of people like you and I, and, and right. I just, I just wish that people would have realized that had more taken the stand when we did, uh, yeah. this would have ended sooner and, and could have I, done it sooner. Yeah. yeah. Like much, much sooner. And, and I, it's very frustrating that, you know, so, so few people are able to see it in real time, you know, and even those that see it in hindsight will likely fall for the next bullshit, you know, propaganda campaign. And that, <laughs> that pisses me off. Cause I'm like, yeah. you now have evidence, hard evidence. Like I was giving you, you know, some evidence and some theories back in summer of 2020, but like everything I gave you ended up being true. So how about you listen to us next time? And how about you follow our fucking lead so that we don't end up in some totalitarian hellscape moving forward? Uh, forgive me for getting upset, but it's just like, no. it's frustrating. 
it's frustrating. I mean, the whole thing is frustrating, you know, that that there had to be so much loss, that so many small businesses were closed, like people's lives work. You know, you close a business down for a week. And like that's I mean, the margins are already so small for a small yep. business, like you're done. But magically, the, you know, the virus wasn't deadly at Costco or Walmart or, you <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> or it was OK for Amazon to be on the roads and people running around delivering your food the, and everything. You have, you. you have to be sitting down at the restaurant. Then you're safe. <laughs> then you're safe. Right. It's only above your head. Yeah. So <laughs> it, but it's like how uh, the suffering that happened early on was just crazy like so many people lost everything because you can't you can't just close your business like no one was allowed to be you know i'm going to keep my business open and if, if nobody comes in so be it like i don't know why these weren't options i know everybody was scared i know we were fearful like well if people are out then we're spreading and we can't stop the spread and we can't flatten the curve and yeah 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 but well, we, from, we flattened a lot of curves, but it just happened to be life expectancy and uh, and the national death deficit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, we curved that up. So I take yeah, that back. That um, well, real, real quick, uh, before I, I got a couple extra uh, videos I want to show you, but I, sure. I wanted to ask, did, have you landed on your feet? What What are you doing now? Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, it, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's It's been a roller coaster of a, of a year and a half, but you know, that the, like I said, the thing that came out of it right away was the amount of support that me and my family got from, you know, people all around the world, other musicians. And, you know, so people started hiring me, Hey, you got a, your own studio, right? I need drums on a song. Great. Send it to me. I, you know, so I do a lot of remote drum recording here and, you know, producing for people. And I produced awesome. a, a sound pack of drum loops and things in a pop punk style that's on splice.com. And cool. so all of these things, we've kind of found a new system here where i'm working from home but then even people like tim pool reaching out and just being like hey you know like he championed my story really early on yep. and when i uh, you know wrote to him to thank him he's just like hey come hang out like you know tim like come hang out let's let's yep. just talk about shoot the shit and then <laughs> you know we get talking about music and he starts picks up a guitar and starts playing me these songs and i was like hey these are really good songs he's like oh yeah you think well sh should we make a record and so we've just been working on a record here back and forth, him and uh, his music supervisor, Carter there at Timcast. Um, we just been kind of cranking songs out for the last year and I we've released that. three of them now. And so working with people like that. And then about a year, right about this time last year, I got a phone call from uh, Dickie Barrett from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Mm -hmm. And he had gone through a similar situation as me. He was the announcer on Jimmy Kimmel's show from the beginning. Oh, and and lost his gig for not getting the vaccine as well. And I had seen his story and he had seen mine and he got my number from a mutual friend and was just like, hey, I feel like we should work together. And he's like, do you know Greg Camp from Smash Mouth? And I'm like, well, I know of him, of course. And he's like, well, he lives in Nashville. He said, I think it would be interesting if the three of us start writing. So we brought in uh, two more guys, Joey LaRocca from the Briggs from LA and Johnny Rio, from the street dogs on bass. And so we have a new band called uh, the defiant and uh, yeah, got, got the hat right here. And uh, I love you know, it. Um, so we've been writing, appropriately named too, right? Yeah. So we've been writing and recording an album for the last year. And so it's, it's headed to mastering right now. We're hoping to get the first single out in June so people can start hearing what it's about, but it's kind of reinvigorated my love for music again, working Hell with, yeah new people like I didn't feel like I'd been terribly creative the last decade before that like when you're 
when you're a hired person in a band, you're you're hired to, you know, play your script and keep your mouth shut and, you know, not have any opinions, but you're also not really contributing anything creatively because it's just not wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been a bit of a spiritual musical rebirth to like remember why I loved playing drums in the first place and get back to that and remember why I loved music in the first place. You know, I've started doing more songwriting on my own, which has been really cathartic for me to kind of get some feelings out, not necessarily about what happened to me, but just about my life in general. Um, mm -hmm. It's been really, really great to be on that side of things and being like, oh, I, I can do this too. And, you know, doing producing. And so, yeah, I've landed on my feet, you know, are we in the same space financially? God, no. But, you know, right. we're hustling and we're, we're making it work. And I'm 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 proud of what I'm doing and I'm happy with what I'm doing. And, you know, to me that, you know, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And, and in many ways, that's priceless. Uh, I think that far too many people take the bag as opposed to to taking the harder path that's more fulfilling. And, um, you know, I, I know I've, I've got a lot of people in my audience that DM me because of the transition that I've made from, you know, entrepreneur, mortgage guy to, to, you know, podcaster touring the country, talking libertarian shit. It's like, um, you know, I, I sacrificed a lot financially, but I, I have never been more gratified as a human being. And yeah, and there's, I think people need to hear that message, you know? For sure. There's things that you find it's scary, but you find out that there's things that are more important than money. And exactly. you're like, oh, you know, well, I used to make more money, but I'm sure a lot happier now. So, you know, yeah. How oh, and, and oftentimes yeah. that path actually does lead to more money at the end of the day. Like the, yeah. the interim period can be very, very challenging. But I think that, you know, sometimes the the more challenging path is the 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 one you're supposed to be on. So um, I, I hope that people, you know, hear our stories and and imbue some of that and, and, you know, pursue it in their own lives. You don't need to be doing some soul sucking nine to five for the rest of your fucking existence. Like they're uh, actually Joe Rogan, who I listened to forever. He really, you know, hammers that point on his show for, you know, over a decade now. And, and he's just so right. I mean, and, yeah. and I feel like most people know that he's right, but they just don't, they still don't want to take that swing. They don't want to take yeah. that risk. And yeah. I just wish it's more scary. people would. That's scary. Well, and then you factor in that our stupid healthcare system in this country, too. So now people are stuck at, at jobs that they hate that make yeah, them miserable because, exactly. well, if I leave, then I lose my family's health care. Right. And it's just this way that we're trapped in these places. And and but, you know, you made the jump. It was scary. You know, I made yes. the jump. It was scary. But it, it, in and it's, you know, it's still a tough climb. Like, it's not like you just go, you know what, I'd rather do something else and be financially stable. Like it's right. It's a lot of work. but. It's it work that, that I feel good about. So, you know, that that kind of makes all the difference. I, I totally agree, man. Well, speaking of uh, spiritual revivals, <laughs> we got, I, I got to show you this video because this this kid is just unbelievable. Um, this is one of the Tennessee um, state reps that was, uh, I guess, kicked out of their state house and then brought back in, blah, blah, blah. They, they're trying to advocate to get... Um, you know, AR-15s or assault rifles banned. Uh, but this, <laughs> it's so performative. And I just thought as a musician, you might get a kick out of this. Check it out. I believe, I believe in a division. People have been ostracized. Coming to the well. And I see white folk and black folk. I see queer folk and straight folk. I see rich folk and poor folk. Coming to the well of justice. 
He has caught the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, first off, I think that I can make a lot of jokes about it, but what what I what I see in it, I mean, other than the fact that it's extraordinarily performative, and if you saw his his uh, campaign video from five years ago, I did. Yeah. <laughs> he's this totally like docile. You know, he's he's none of none of what you're right. seeing there. Like he's not that person. Um, right. So it's just it's just an act that he's putting on. But but what it strikes me of is two things. One, um, how the people on the left, for whatever reason, don't care about authenticity at all. And it's like that, you know, this isn't who this person is, but yet it's still I, he's he's good at it. Like, I'll give him credit for that. Mm -hmm. He's very good at, at putting on that show. Um, but it's like you're he's not he's not real. Well, like, why do you, and, and then secondarily, you know, there's this, there's this need, uh, it seems to me like the, the, the youth of this country are in desperate need of purpose. And, and it's so sad that, you know, you have this, this young man who's basically, you know, mimicking a civil rights leader, but what he's trying to advocate on behalf of is getting rid of civil rights in my estimation, which is to, you know, banned guns in America. Um, yeah. So it's just a fascinating dilemma. I don't. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I mean, I, I did see the old video compared to the to the new video, and you know, I mean, it's it's a reinvention, oh, right? To, you know, to put it mildly, yeah. I mean, great great artists reinvent to to keep from getting stale, right? Um, so <laughs> I, it's it's not in my place to to you know cast any judgment on you know which is the real version of things like we all get to change our opinions and our and our approach to things um i i haven't followed the story closely enough to to have much more of an opinion than that but it, i mean that's to me that's just illustrating politics i don't think it's it's down to anything to do with that one politician but you know everybody's reinventing versions of themselves that, that's, and that's fair yeah you know i my i'm evolving on this because it's safe for me to believe it now you know i mean right. how many times have we seen that over the years so i i kind of think that everyone in any form of office is full of shit right now <laughs> and so that's fair, fair point yeah that that's not any more alarming or outrageous to me than anyone who's you know showing up being very reserved like you're playing a role you're a politician you've decided on this character that's that's what you're going with this season and you know yep. we'll we'll see we'll see how the focus groups react yeah well we'll see we'll see what your character looks like in next season <laughs> right uh, premiere it, it's it to me it's uh it is really emblematic though of of a a lost youth uh and i you know obviously he's he has found purpose and he has found fame and maybe he'll find fortune by by taking this path and you know good for him i don't i don't really care um but it just breaks my heart that you know he he takes on the intonation of someone like malcolm x who you know malcolm x would have <laughs> absolutely hated this dude like uh, malcolm x yeah. was all about uh you know arming minorities and this guy is yeah. trying to de-arm or disarm rather minorities and i just I just wish that uh, the the lessons of the civil rights movement hadn't been so bastardized. And 
I don't know. It's yeah, to me that's I mean, that's the bigger picture, but uh, it you can I read it in many different ways. For sure, and it's the internet and the social media age that we're in, where there's everything's a performance. You know, we're all we're all True. putting our best face on. Like no one's no one's putting their shittiest picture on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you saw my my intro outro, I have a picture of me going like that because it was a freeze frame when I was on Timcast actually the right. first time a year and a half ago. So like I I am. I am one of the few people that is actually trying to find my way through the social media, you know, viral world, but doing it in a very authentic way. Like I'm just yeah. trying to be myself throughout. And, but I think there's a huge mistake that people make that they think that they have to be some sort of caricature and, and fit some sort of box. What people, what there's a huge market demand for is just authenticity. If you can just bring that, but so few people are capable. I, I think that in some ways, people of our age range are actually better at this because we didn't grow up in it. So like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have these pressures when I was formulating who I was. I don't. Do you yeah. ever feel that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm the, I'm a real self conscious, like kind of quiet, reserved, not very outgoing person. Like even me sitting here talking to you, like it's, those are big steps for me. I'm, I'm kind of quiet, right, right. right? But I think it's, it's hard right now because kids are being raised online where everything is scrutinized, and so being authentic is vulnerable. And I think vulnerability mm -hmm. is our, is the hardest thing to be because we're scared. There's such, mm -hmm. especially online everything it was just an outrage waiting waiting to ridicule and make you feel bad or strip you True. of your humanity and i think if we you know in my experience when i am online i see a lot of people fighting and there's arguments and you can't find Big any time. common ground when i'm out talking to people in the real world you get a different experience and i i think that when i spend more time in the real world than online I feel better about humanity because I'm like, okay, I don't feel so hopeless when we're actually face to face with each other. We can find common ground. We can have a conversation totally. And it's, and it doesn't have to just be an outrage argument or, you know, but online, man, it's just, there's this culture of people that wake up every day and they're just waiting. Like, yeah. Who, I'm who, who are we mad at today, boss? Today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to open my Twitter, get my marching orders, and then get on board. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe just listen. Maybe, you know. Hey, I, what an idea. I, just take some things in. Like, you know, we don't all have to have an opinion on everything immediately without giving it any thought at all. Just because, you know, our team said something that, you know, well, I've, I've got I've to back that up. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Sit it out. Give well, us some thought. Look, all all that's true, but I will say this: just because there is there is pressure, especially for the young people who have never lived outside of the social media bubble or influence. Um, but look at you and I. I mean, my my life. I have more friends. I have I know more people. I'm friends with some of my heroes now because I took these steps. You now have a band of you know similar like minded individuals that you can actually now create with and bond with in, in ways that you couldn't in your old gig. Um, I think that these are all like, you can find a community that just because you get excommunicated from one, well, that actually means that you weren't meant to be in that community. And there is, there are other communities and those communities are growing. I might add. So right. I just, I just want people to, to be encouraged. Don't, don't let the the pressure and the fear stop I, you from being who you are. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, one of the things that my wife said at the time when we were, 
you know, talking about like, oh, we should, we're going to have to speak out. We're going to have to say something. She's like, you know, we need to put ourselves out there because how else are we going to find our community? How else are we going to find, exactly. like, we're, we're about to lose so much community. We can't find our new community where we get to be comfortable and unless we're out, unless we're out there looking for it. And, right. and so I would say that to anybody too, like, you know, there's, there's a place for everybody out there, but you got to put yourself out there a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, but and it'll but it's, be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Nobody, but nobody's alone in any, any of this of your views or your thoughts or, or whatever, you know, it, everyone gets to exist. Everyone gets to have their humanity and their opinions exactly. and there's, and there there's is community. The, there's message boards for people that love feet for God's sakes. You're going to find yeah. a community. Come on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there's a Reddit board for everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow you and support your, your music moving forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram, just at Pete Parada. Um, I'm not on Facebook. So if there's something on there, that's not me. Yep. Um, you can find my band, The Defiant, uh, on Instagram at The Defiant Official, on Twitter at The Defiant USA, um, and the TheDefiantOfficial.com is our website. Uh, you can sign up for a mailing list there. We're going to have some merch soon. Uh, like I said, the first song hopefully is going to drop in June. And I'm really excited to get all this music out there. Um, Tim Cast, my band with uh, Tim Poole and Carter Banks. Uh, you can get that at, at uh, trashhouserecords.com or through Tim's websites and stuff and find the songs on YouTube or Apple Music or Spotify or wherever the hell you get your music. I forget. Um, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, to say, if you're a music producer or you're, you're into making music digitally, you can go to splice.com and, and check out my loop pack of all kinds of pop punk um, beats and fills and samples from my own. Uh, instrument library here um you've everything you need to start making your own music love it man and I, I forget the name of the most recent uh single from tim's band that was released but it is i i actually enjoyed it a lot i was like this is a fucking banger so yeah I, bright I, eyes yeah oh bright eyes that's what it was yeah i uh i hope that you guys have a, a tremendous amount of success and i hope that your story inspires millions more to follow in the the harder but more fulfilling path and uh I just hope that it's a tremendous success for you because your success will add to the courage that people have that will follow in your footsteps. So thank you so much for the time, Pete. Thanks so much for having me, Clint. Appreciate it. If anybody wants to support my work, libertylockdown.locals.com. I will be in Tampa this Saturday and then Nashville uh, debating destiny the following Saturday. And then I'll be in Austin for the Take Human Action Tour uh, the following weekend. Thank you guys. We're out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?